Welcome to I Used to Be a Therapist. Today we are continuing our conversation about hope. Make sure you go check out the bonus episode on hope. I couldn't help myself and I had to share some things that I've been thinking about hope. And I also talk about the essential oil blend called hope, and I know you're going to love it. But today you get a treat. I'm sharing a conversation that I had with one of my new favorite people, Melissa Russiano. Melissa is a licensed clinical social worker, and she runs a private practice, and that practice has organically developed into a specialty working with helping professionals. So all of you helping professionals out there, this is something you're going to want to listen to. Melissa is amazing at helping professionals avoid burnout in a unique way that holds clinicians accountable. She does this through laughter, tears, blunt yet very supportive feedback, and quirky analogies that are grounded in solid practice and research. Her motto is human first, therapist second. And I love that. And that sure comes across in her interactions. Melissa practices solely in a virtual setting in the states of California, Florida, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee. That's a lot. In addition, Melissa is an active, certified, daring way facilitator that's based on the research of Dr. Brene Brown. On top of all of that, Melissa is also a professor and she gets to teach future social workers in a graduate program through Simmons University Online. Melissa currently lives in Erie, Pennsylvania with her two puppies who sometimes join her in sessions. She is a self-professed recovering workaholic dealing with the empty nest syndrome and is always open to suggestions for new hobbies. So shout out to her if you have one. Our conversation was full of insights and practical suggestions for how to grow hope in your life. I know this is going to add value to your day. Let's listen in. My name is Dr. Wendy Bruton, and I used to be a therapist. Welcome to my podcast. Leaving my career as a therapist, business owner, and counselor educator was a big risk. But now, as an author, coach, entrepreneur, and podcast host, I am fulfilling my passion to help people move forward toward an essentially better life. Each episode is filled with stories, information, and ideas that I know will be valuable to your life and to the lives you touch. So if you need a therapist or just someone who used to be a therapist, I know that this is a place that you will feel valued, valuable, and learn to move forward from what you used to be. I'm so glad you're here. Melissa, thank you so much for being with us today, with me today here. And I'm excited to talk with you. We're going to talk about hope today. Yes, we are. Anyway, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And this is a great topic and it's great timing to have this topic as well. Right? We all Mm -hmm. need this. So before we jump in, I would love for you to tell me a little bit about yourself, where you live, family, things you like to do, all that stuff. Absolutely. Well, I live in Erie, Pennsylvania, so right on the lake, and it's gorgeous in the summer and in the spring, 
And about two weeks from now, then we start seeing that white stuff. So I affectionately then start calling it blizzard country. (laughs) Um, But it's uh, it's a great place to be. And I have two darling puppy dogs who may jump in and say hello to everybody. Uh, But um, just a wonderful place to be here in Erie. And I have a private practice. Um, so I see a lot of women struggling with hope, struggling with life purpose. Um, and so that's where I spend the majority of my time. And, Mm. you know, my downtime is anything with the water, just love being on the water. It's very relaxing. Oh, that's great. So you're a therapist. I would love to know why you became a therapist. That I'm, I'm also a grad school professor. And so my students ask me this question all the time. And I always think I need to come up with this wonderful academic enlightening reason on how I became a therapist. And the bottom line is I started um, as a pre-med student um, at a college in Southern California. And um, I discovered very quickly that I enjoyed the beach and the palm trees a little bit more than I enjoyed chem lab. So I went to my academic advisor and I said, hey, I just want to be in a, a hospital. What else can I do that would land me in a hospital that I don't have to sit in lab all day and I can go have fun? And they said, what about medical social work? And I said, oh, awesome. Great. Done. Changed my major. And now I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine being a doctor. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Like I am so passionate about what I do. Um, it was definitely one of those things that was meant to happen. Uh, that sounds like a very good journey, like <laughs> a really great story. I like that story a lot. I have a, a very similar, like it just happened to me story mm-hmm. too. So that's, I'll have to tell that someday, but yes, <laughs> I love that. Okay. And you, and you're practicing, you have a private practice. I do. I have a private practice. I've been in private practice for about 12 years now prior to that did a lot of administration work and just decided administration was a lot about papers and private practice is a lot about people. Mm -hmm. And that's where I thrive and I just enjoy. So um, work with a lot of helping professionals, an awful lot of helping professionals. Um, I think it's wonderful when people realize that they need to help themselves so they can continue to thrive and help others. Yeah, uh, And so I have a really soft spot for all of our silent heroes out there mm-hmm. that every day go out and, and give them themselves over and over again. Mm-hmm. Gosh, those folks that are real, real true helpers in the world, mm-hmm. there is such a need for people to mm-hmm. understand and validate their experience. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump into hope. I would love to hear you are right, by the way. This is a time mm-hmm. when, when we really need to understand the importance of cultivating hope in our life, right? So why don't you just talk a little bit about what you think hope is, maybe what it isn't, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think sometimes it's easier to start with talking about what is it not, right? Because as, as we've mentioned, that it's just such a hard time for people to really cultivate that hope and to be hopeful looking forward. And so a lot of times when it comes up, it's, well, gosh, what do I have to be hopeful about? And 
hope is not about being optimistic or as my friends would say, little Miss Mary Sunshine, like that is not what hope is about. It's not candy coating a bad situation. It's, but it's also not impossible to be hopeful even in the middle of a storm. Mm -hmm. It's almost critical to have that level of hope to be able to say, you know, I am expecting things to change. I have a desire for things to change. I have a feeling of trust based upon my past and my present that things are going to change. And it's that little sliver Mm -hmm. of holding on to that hope that is what really helps people motivate to change, to change their circumstances. And sometimes when circumstances can't change, it's about changing your lens. Mm -hmm. What is that lens that you're viewing the, the circumstances through? I love that. I like that definition. It is it really is this sense of possibility, I think, right? Like Absolutely. It yes. is possible yes. whether it's going to right now or I see the, I don't even know, but how it's going to happen. But mm-hmm. I hold on to this possibility that it could happen. Right. Yeah, like Absolutely. That. And that this time is, is not going to last forever. You know, mm-hmm. that it kind of spurns us to think about, okay, how can I dream for that next step? Mm-hmm. How can I start planning for that next step? Which is, I think, very critical with hope is looking at it through the lens of what are my realistic expectations and goals? Mm-hmm. And that's where you can start embedding hope back in. Even when everything is out of control, swirling around you. You know, every time you get up, you think, what's going to happen today? That's going to be surreal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it gives you that opportunity to look for that silver lining. Mm. Um, And like I said, my friends would never call me Little Miss Mary Sunshine ever. (laughs) You know, I tell my clients that all the time, too. And they're like, yeah, okay, Little Miss Mary Sunshine. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, mm -mm, Mm. not my personality. (laughs) Um, But there's always something positive and even the worst of situations. Sometimes you just have to dig a little bit deeper to find it so that you can reinstill that hope. It really is this mind shift, right? Like Mm -hmm. just turning Mm -hmm. your mind in in a DBT sense, like just turning your mind a little bit to something that could possibly be. I love that. I would love for you to talk a little bit about why it is important for our mental health right? Mm -hmm. To work on cultivating hope in our life. Yeah, that's a great, great question. And uh, there are a lot of screening tools out there that mental health clinicians use, that physicians use. Um, And one of the questions that is asked in a lot of those screenings is, what are you hoping for? What are you looking forward to? And one of the reasons it's embedded in there is to see, okay, where's that level of emotional balance. Mm -hmm. Can somebody look to the future and really be able to grasp onto that hope and to have something to look forward to in the future? And if the answer is no, then that kind of increases somebody on that scale of really needing some more intervention because Mm -hmm. they're just not able to hold on to hope. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's, well, I have little to hope for, but that's at least something. Because from a mental health standpoint, from an emotional health standpoint, it's about being able to look past today and understand there's a tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow isn't written yet, 
It's what I'm going to create and I can create it to be what today is, or I can hope that tomorrow is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And I just have to get up, put one step, one foot in front of the other and, and start moving there. Yeah, that's really true. I mean, I think when people lose all hope, right, it tends to concern mental health workers because there's become, there becomes this like failure to thrive. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Right. And right. And, you know, if you look at positive psychology and some of the uh, theorists in positive psychology that really talk about learned helplessness, you know, and when there's not this this instilled hope within somebody, it's very easy to fall into that learned helplessness and that woe is me mm-hmm. and I'm never going to get out of this place that I'm at. Mm-hmm. So it's to be able to shift it. And then there's a ton of physical benefits to having hope as much as I know it's a lot of people talk about that connection between medical and emotional. And there's so many ties and bridges between physical health and emotional health. I'll talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Well, (laughs) when you talk about being stressed or anxious, that is going to really impact your core beliefs of self. It's going to weaken your immune system. Mm -hmm. Um, And bear with me on my analogy that I give some of my college student clients when I talk to them and they're like, I don't understand. I'm exhausted. Now I'm moody. And, you know, your body only has so much energy in a day. And if it's utilizing all of its energy to make sure your brain functions and your heart functions and your lungs function, you know, by the time it gets to the emotions, your emotions are like, woohoo, we can have a field day because you don't have any energy left Mm -hmm. to put a filter on that. Well, the reverse happens as well, is that when your body's using all of your energy just to Mm -hmm. maintain that facade that, you know, I'm going to speak for myself and and my female peers and friends is we as women like to put that smiley face on Absolutely. and to walk outside the house and say, everything is great. That takes a heck of a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And then your body's immune system is lessened because of that. And now you've created this cycle yeah. of not having the energy. And so your emotions have a field day and then your emotions have a field day and your body's run down. And just looking at that balance by no means means you have to be a health nut, but just to be aware of the connection of the two. I love that analogy. That's a great analogy. There is such a connection between our mind and body and our heart and our soul and our Mm -hmm. physical pieces of ourselves, you know. Yeah. Well, I would love to know, like, what what have you found helpful for yourself and for your clients Mm -hmm. in cultivating Mm -hmm. hope? Cultivating hope is something that is so such an individual Mm -hmm. aspect that every single person is going to look at it differently. For some people, they can cultivate hope by going to the ocean. You know, and if you've ever been at the ocean and you just sit there and you just watch the waves go in and out, and then you think of the power that comes with that, and that there's so much, so many bigger things than you in that moment, that cultivates hope for some people. For other people, that doesn't work, and they need to cultivate hope with tangible things. 
one of the things I'd like to do with a lot of my clients is um, have them write a bucket list. And it's something I've been doing with a ton of people right now because 2020, let's admit, hasn't been fabulous for most (laughs) of us. Um, But we still have three months of 2020 left. And what can you accomplish in those three months on your little bucket list? And what that does is it inadvertently instills hope. So if you, you know, if I say to somebody, hey, we've got to embed hope back in your life. Well, why? There's nothing to be hopeful for. Like, hey, what do you want to accomplish by the end of 2020? Well, that's something they can get behind and it helps to instill that Mm -hmm. hope. Um, So that's definitely one um, that we use. And it doesn't have to be serious. I'm still learning to eat with chopsticks. It's been 10 years, still haven't mastered it, but it's still on my bucket list. Um, But with that to surround yourself with a support system Mm -hmm. is to have positive people. And if you can't have positive people in your circle, then just make sure you're not surrounding yourself with energy drainers is those people that are going to pull, you know, we go back to the, we only have so much energy in a day. How do you want to spend that energy? And what do those support people around you look like? How can they pour into you to instill hope Mm -hmm. so that you're able to then self-create that? on your own. So that's definitely helpful. Even if it's one person, you know, and we're, we're kind of in a digital age right now for many reasons. So the person could even be on the other side of the world, just having that one connection to pour into them and to fulfill that hope. That's great advice is to find people, any people who are Mm -hmm who are life giving, right. Rather than life sucking. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Seriously. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. and when you have to be around those people to be able to intentionally limit your time, I think when you, when you are intentional about limiting the time with people Mm -hmm. that, you know, take energy from you, that Mm -hmm. that in itself gives you some self confidence and competence Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in being able to do that. And so Mm -hmm. that's, that's great. Absolutely. Because when you think about just even the isolation, a lot of us have felt over the Mm. last six months, just logistically, Mm -hmm. if you put that on an emotional isolation, it's really hard to cultivate hope when you're in your own bubble. And sometimes there's no one else in that bubble with you. Mm And it's really hard to challenge your thoughts, to set realistic goals for yourself, uh, because there's not somebody there challenging you in a positive, empowering sort of way. Yeah. And we tend to be very critical of our own self and and we can mm-hmm. and our brains tend to spiral, you know, if, mm-hmm. if we don't mm-hmm. have some intervention from the outside and external stimuli, you know. Right. So that's that's really important. Um, I have actually found, I was thinking about when you were talking about this, that I remember talking to people who were really needing some hope and they didn't have a support system and they just did mm-hmm. not have mm-hmm. people, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. To talk, just talking to them about watching movies. Absolutely. Um, that were mm-hmm. positive and uplifting mm-hmm. and encouraging and funny. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just so those kinds of watching other people be happy and have hope, I think sometimes Mm -hmm. can be very helpful too. Absolutely. And also even, you know, if, 
if they're not even at that stage yet that, you know, somebody wants to watch a movie just to be able to look into some other people's similar stories. Yes. And how did they fight through that adversity? What did they do? And Mm -hmm. you were never going to mimic somebody else's journey, Mm -mm. but you can take away and learn from their journey so that you will be inspired. Yes. To be able to realize that there's the other side of this. Yeah. Well, thank you. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Hope? Um, Or you want to tell us about anything? One of the things when I knew that we were going to have this conversation today is I was talking with a mentor and we were just kind of talking about what is so important that people need to hear about hope right now with the world being turned upside down. There's still all of these reasons to have this grounded, realistic, not little Miss Mary sunshine, but realistic hope. And one of the things that I had learned from her that I didn't know. So I love being educated by other people still as well, (laughs) is that in Greek, the word hope means to be still. And I think that is one of the hardest aspects for anybody who is struggling, it's impacting their emotional health, they can't see the light, is just understanding that it's okay to be still, be patient, look at the positive silver lining aspects in your life, and to be able to look forward and understand that it may not happen the speed we want it to happen in. But if we can be still and look for the silver linings, that you are going to be able to get there. Yeah, I love that. That is so helpful. I mean, and and even just looking for the little things, right? Mm -hmm. So helpful. Yeah. Yeah, because those little things add up. They add up. They really do. They Mm -hmm. really do. Okay. I want to move on a little bit now. Absolutely. Thank you for talking about hope. We have a lot to think about after listening to that. I want to hear some things that you're doing and how people can get in touch with you and um, all of that stuff. So tell us all that you're doing. All about Melissa. Absolutely. Well, like I said, I am in private practice. Given one of my silver linings with the last six months is, is that I've been able to take an amazing private practice that's been here in Erie, Pennsylvania, and really put it on a virtual stage. Mm. And um, I am licensed in five states, which for those not familiar with virtual therapy, there's some licensure requirements that are in place, but now that I have uh, licenses in five states, I've been able to reach just an awful lot of helping professionals that are really struggling and maybe don't want to see somebody in their own communities because it's a peer or it's a small community and they don't, they're not ready yet to say, Hey, I'm a little burned out. I'm struggling. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. Uh, So I've really been able to connect with folks on that platform. It's been amazing. In addition, I'm doing a lot of Brene Brown's Daring Way Shame Work, which I just love, and doing some virtual workshops with that as well. Oh, that sounds amazing. I might have to jump into one of those. I've always (laughs) wanted to do that. So, Absolutely, absolutely. So people can find me uh, at my website, and it is uh, melissaruciano.com, just with any questions learn more about what I do. And I'm very transparent. I have a quirky blog series going (laughs) and 
I really like to talk about my humanness because I, I believe that I'm a human first and a therapist second. Yeah. And I think sometimes that humanness has to show through for people to understand that it's okay to ask for help and to get that support. That's great. I would also like to say that I just want to plug again Brene Brown is amazing. And so if anybody gets a chance to do any of her mm-hmm. Melissa's workshops on that, that would be great. And I appreciate so much therapists who are willing to be authentic and live their real self lives mm-hmm. in front of the world and be Absolutely. able to share authentically with their clients. I mm-hmm. think, honestly, if, if you can't do that, if you can't share your own experience in a healthy way, right? We don't want to like mm-hmm. share absolutely, absolutely. details. There's but, always boundaries and balance. Right. Yes. But if you mm-hmm. can't, I mean, honestly, you can't, you aren't worth your salt. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. just aren't absolutely. and people can't identify with that. And so that's just beautiful that you're willing to do that. Thanks. And I will put your website in the show notes and um, Thank I'm you. hoping people can connect with you. So Okay. I have the last three questions, three questions I ask everybody on my podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd love to hear, first of all, an event that changed you. An event that changed me. And thank you so much for prepping me on this. That was (laughs) fabulous. Um, I actually think the biggest event that changed me is I have a 21-year-old daughter And, uh, I've been a single mom since she was four. And so a lot of people will be like, gosh, the event that changed me was when I became a single mom and chose to just raise her on my own, um, after a divorce. And that was a heck of a lot easier than launching her to college. (laughs) And let me tell you, sending your child that it's just been the M&M girls, to college four states away, it really forced me to look at what I'm doing, why I'm doing, and and taking off some of those labels mm-hmm. that we as women, as moms kind of say, well, I'm a mom, or I'm a therapist, or I'm a professor, or I'm a fill in the blank. Um, and just to be able to say like, hey, you know what? I'm Melissa too. Mm-hmm. And what am I going to do now? Yeah with being Melissa. So it's been an interesting four-year journey. It's been an interesting four-year journey. That is quite an event. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. On many levels. (laughs) On many levels, it's an event. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a person who changed you? My, one of my graduate school uh, supervisors in an internship looked at me towards the end of the internship and said, you're holding back. And I remember looking at her going, I have no clue what she's talking about. Like, I'm your typical type A high achiever. What do you mean I'm holding back? And she said, you're holding back. You're not giving all of you. Mm. And that was more years ago than I would care to admit right now. Mm -hmm. But it's something that has stuck in me that when I feel that hesitation for me to reflect back to her statements all those years ago in Coltsville, Pennsylvania at a, <laughs> at a VA hospital is to say, what, what are you holding back? And it's always encouraged and empowered me to move forward. That's great. And what was her name? So we can just put it out Her there. name is Sean Britt and she was a social worker at the VA hospital <laughs> and she was fabulous. Oh, 
That's great. Okay. The last question is a book that changed you. A book. I don't know what your bookshelf looks like, but I have at least 12 going at any given time at any given stages. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as cheesy as this may sound, I have to say I've read Eat, Pray, Love at least six or seven times. It is what I like most about that book is the journey. And that's mm-hmm. really what I try to embody in my work and in my life is always growing and, and trying to discover. Do you know, I have not read that book. Oh my goodness. So I will put it on my Amazon yes, list right needs now. needs to make it to your list. Okay. <laughs> I'll put it on there right now. And I will put the link in the show notes as well for that. Wonderful. So thank you so much, Melissa, for being here and for joining us here and all your wisdom and input. That was very, very helpful and wonderful and great. Well, I just appreciate being invited. So thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined us. Make sure to subscribe so you can get all the episodes. And you can help support our podcast by clicking the support button in the show notes or going to our website, essentiallybetterlife.com. Follow me on social at Essentially Better Life and check out my website for all kinds of information on business and personal coaching, my book, and even some great stuff on essential oils. Thanks for listening. Blessings and be well, my friends.